Welcome to Cloud Radio, made for full-stack cloud operators. Cloud Radio covers all aspects of the business of software. Hi, our guest today is Ryan Walsh. He's the founder and CEO of RepView. If you don't know about RepView, they are very much like Glassdoor, except exclusively focused on sales. And much of their review base, over 100,000 a year and growing, are from the technology industry and most especially software. So through that platform, they have a lot of visibility into quota attainment, product market fit, inbound lead flow, culture, across a range of industries, segments. So Ryan has a lot of intelligence there. And beyond that, he was the chief revenue officer of Channel Advisor, e-commerce oriented SaaS company that went public, was recently acquired by private equity. So Ryan can speak to a whole range of issues across the sales universe. Great guest, thankful to have him. Hope you enjoyed the episode. So today we've got Ryan Walsh from RepView and we'll just get right into it. Ryan, do you wanna give people your background? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, first of all, thanks for having me on the podcast. Happy to share the story about me and RepView and dive into some of the questions that you and hopefully the people listening will get some value out of. Yes. So my background, you know, without going too deep in too many layers, I've I've had a number of different kind of sections of my career, but they're all focused on sales. So I'm a software sales executive. I came out of school in the late nineties, actually got on board with a startup and got acquired for about $180 million. This is like a quick aside of like, for those of you who are not around in the dot-com bubble. So the company that I joined, I joined, it was six months old. It was sold three months later for $180 million and had no revenue. Okay. So that's, wow. that's one story that happened. It, it was sold to a company called Overture, which okay, yeah, yeah. at the time it was called goto.com. It was the original largest search engine out there. Rebranded to Overture and then Overture was eventually sold to Yahoo and probably a good thing Yahoo bought them because that carried their number for a number of years as well. The search revenue that they got through Overture and then Google kind of took over consumer search and Overture was a was kind of a plug and play engine for a lot of, you know, front end sites like the, you know, the Yahoo's and the other portals. Anyways, the founder of that company started a new company in 2001. I joined, I stayed there from 2001 to 2017. Enterprise sales executive, director of strategic accounts, director of sales, vice president of sales, chief revenue officer. I ended up running the sales organization from 2011 end of 10, 11 to 2017. I took over the org at about 35 million in top line and left about 115 million in top line. We did an IPO in 2013. So I left about four years after the IPO. My career essentially has been built on the basis of helping salespeople succeed in their career. So my career is helping other salespeople su- succeed in their career because as a leader, that's the only way that you can you can really make it work effectively. Enjoy selling, enjoy software. It was a SaaS e-commerce product called Channel Advisor, recently acquired by private equity. And uh, it was a great run, learned a ton. And, um, you know, many ups and downs survived the 2008 financial crisis and, you know, learned quite a bit. So that's the, you know, the three to four minute background on my career, but, you know, fairly single threaded with it, with the thread of sales running all the way through it. Interesting. And how did that lead into you creating RepView? Yeah. So RepView, first of all, started as a side project about a year after I left Channel Advisor, my last corporate role. I was doing some consulting. I I, I just kind of assumed I'd go back to an operator role and I wasn't super aggressive and looking for one and I was making okay money doing consulting. I didn't really like the consulting. It definitely wasn't going to be my long-term thing. So I figured probably some sort of operator role in tech, in software. And like I said, I was taking my time. I start, I had the idea of RepView. Really the, the, the basis of it was, and this is, this is something I lived through, was that we as a business can hit our number. 
and we as a business can grow and we as a business can even do an IPO, but we never had 40% of the team hitting quota. It was always about that 40% level, never 50 in the forties. And, you know, at the time I'm like, I kind of always struggle with that, right? Like, you know, can we get 50%? Can we get half the team hitting quota? But it was always very, very hard. Attrition was always a problem. Even, you know, people loved a lot of things about working with us and on our team, but attrition was always in sales, you know, 25% in the U.S., 35 to 38% outside of the U.S., X percent of the people not hitting quota, yet here we are growing year on year, doing IPO, all that. And it's like, all right, well, this is really interesting. So, and, and then I, I, as I do consulting, I, I find that other companies are experiencing the same things, in many cases worse, right? Like oh, 40%, 45% hitting quota, that's normal, right? Or is it, or should it be? And so the concept of RepView is basically that there's a problem that is information asymmetry during the interview process, mm -hmm. right? The salesperson delivers, and you could say this about any role, that the, the candidate delivers an abundance of information to the company. The information that flows back is fairly limited, right? That's easily identified based on the amount of time asking questions, right? The company asking, 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 oh, hey, we got a few minutes left in the interview. Do you have any questions for us? We got four minutes left. Hey, we got five minutes left in the interview. Do you have any questions for us? Right? Like that's how it goes. And so the best way for a salesperson to that opportunity is if their friend works there, right? But like you don't have a friend that works everywhere, right? And so what if we could take that friend conversation at a massive scale and deliver it to salespeople so that they can access all the information that they need regarding the health of a sales organization, the performance of a sales organization, and most importantly, what are my opportunities to go there and be really successful if I join that sales organization? So the basis for RepView is that let's collect a bunch of information about companies. Let's collect some information about salespeople. We can match them together. They can do diligence. And so, so RepView is born as, as a rating. It's essentially a survey. So RepView is a survey. And what we're surveying, or I guess first who we're surveying are salespeople, sales professionals. That's account execs, SDRs, account managers, customer success, enablement, you know, managers too, um, anybody under the sale, uh, solution consultants, uh, anybody under that umbrella, revenue umbrella, not necessarily marketing, but, you know, kind of the go-to-market umbrella besides marketing. And and this, the survey captures the, the most relevant information that we can then take, codify, and deliver at scale, turn that codified information into unique profiles of companies, Okay. So the, the information we collect are things like the sentiment of the seller related to product market fit, related mm -hmm. to lead flow, related to culture and leadership, related to, you know, professional development, compensation. And then we're also capturing actual compensation data. What percent of your team is hitting quota? What is your base comp? What is your on-target earnings? If I'm number one on the team, how much could I earn? Like, is this a 200K package? Can I earn 400, 600? A million more, right? You know, so and so, so you take all that information, you package it, and a, and a salesperson can go to look at a company profile and say, "Oh, I'm interviewing at the enterprise team. Looks like the enterprise team at large company XYZ is at you know 58% of quota. That's pretty good, and they rate them well on lead flow, and that's good because I don't like making cold calls, right? And and they rate them poorly on culture. Okay, well I don't really care as long as the product is rated well and the lead flow is rated well." And there's a good comp plan. 
So like, you know, it's a lot of information that allows the salesperson to, to kind of curate the experience that they need to see and make the decisions for their career based on what's important to them. And so really that's what we do. We, we've grown a lot in the last three years, came out of beta 2020. At the end of 2020, we had 7,500 total ratings. So yeah, not that many. End of 21, we had 37,000. So okay, we're getting there. And then last end of last year, we had 110,000 uh, ratings. And so we'll double that again this year easily. And we publish companies when they get seven ratings. So the ratings, uh, so we have 2,500 company profiles published. We have data on 19,000 companies. So to put a bow on this, and we can dive into details kind of where, where you'd like, but what is RepView at its core? It's a machine that collects and aggregates sales organization health and performance data. That data can be used in a multitude of valuable ways across a number of constituents who want to learn about and understand the health of the sales organization in a near real-time way. And as I've described, spent most of my time describing, the number one and first constituent is B2B salespeople uh, because they can make career decisions. But of course, there's other constituents who might you know, gain value from that, you know, that information. So that's kind of the basis behind RepView. We're super excited about what we're building. We're really happy that we also get to be somewhat mission-driven by helping people make better career decisions, give them a better chance to hit their quota, you know, give them a better chance to see some really strong income by improving their decision-making process. Yeah, that is a real mission, like people being misled and, you know, oversold, and then two years of their life are wasted, right? That's exactly right. You know, a pretty significant issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, part of the way I came across RepView was, you know, I'm a bit of an investor and also very analytical. And I was looking at, as we were transitioning from a like very buoyant SaaS economy to one that was declining, what are real-time indicators of the climate? Mm-hmm. And I noticed through your very well-designed website, I could see quota attainment, you know, at the enterprise level, at the middle market level, and it was updating very fast. And... Quota attainment is one of the best indicators of the health of an organization and also the industry. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's a transition into kind of your view on the market environment. What are quota attainments looking like? Differences between enterprise, middle market, public versus private. Like what's the state of the market that RepView allows you to see? Yeah. So, so let me first clarify when you're talking, like when we're talking in the context of RepView, what is quota attainment? So for us, what quota attainment is really tied to the actual question that we ask the user, which is specific to your role, what percent of team members typically achieve their quota? Okay. That's the question that we ask. And, and, and so to clarify even further, we're not asking, did you hit quota? Okay. Because A, we don't, we don't care. And B, not to be cynical, but there's, there's salespeople and they all hit quota every single time. Nobody ever misses quota. So we, we wanted to get something super accurate from that standpoint. And then and then we don't ask, did the team hit their number? Because that's, A, we don't we don't really even care. Salespeople don't care as much. They just want to know, what are my chances of hitting quota? Right? We're not looking for company information, We're looking for typically speaking, what's the sentiment of the sales team members hitting quota? And we, we dabbled and tested a few different things in the early days, found this, this brings us to a very accurate representation of what percent of team members are hitting quota, right? So I want to clarify that. And then that brings us to your actual question, which is, kind of macro, like what are we seeing? What are some of the things? So for us, we started seeing quota decline. You know, it, it bobbles around, but the first year and a half, we were kind of kind of hovered there in the 50-ish, high 40s, 50. We started seeing a downward trend last Q1, Q1 2022, for two metrics. 
Okay, quotatainment sentiment, quotatainment metric was one. The other one was inbound lead flow was actually kind of trended down a little bit before things like the culture score trend or the professional development or the, you know, product market fit even was didn't hit earlier. And the reason is those two trends are most closely associated with buyer intent and buyer behavior, right? Like I can't hit my quota because you didn't buy. I did not get as many leads because you did not hit our lead form because you are not planning on buying, right? Like that's the tip of the spear there. And then over time, right, less and less people are hitting quota for better or for worse, like your culture, like it's hard to have a really great co- culture if nobody's winning, you know what I mean? Yep. So that was a little bit of a lagger, lagging indicator, but really an interesting one. And then I think, you know, the, the kind of September, October, November, like that's when it started to really fall off, like quota attainment down, you know, kind of 40 and even sub 40 in different pockets across kind of this is across. Well, I can talk about it. We have an index of kind of the cloud, 125 cloud companies. We publish it on Twitter every month or so, a few stats about that. So if, if you look at those, and it's all the names that you would probably expect, give or take, you know, in, in cloud and tech and big tech enterprise software. Yeah, it really, really dipped there kind of in that Q4 timeframe into January, February. We, we've seen a level off a bit in kind of March to April. So we're cautiously optimistic that maybe it's bottomed. It's still, you know, the quarter is still very early, but we track it, you know, fairly, you know, almost real time. And so we've, we've kind of seen, and this is specific to the quota attainment. And then I can, I can talk also about, you know, your question about public versus private or segments, which we have access, you know, we have that, we, we can slice and dice the data. You know, we slice the data down to the mid-market team or the, let's look at the enterprise team at MongoDB. Let's look at the SMB team at HubSpot. Let's look, you know, we, we can look at the data very, very granularly you know, on a per company basis and a per segment basis, compare it for any of our statistics, any which way that you'd like to compare it as well. Yeah. yeah and we'll, we'll put this in the show notes, like the, the graph and highlight that for people to see, because I would say kind of in my experience tracking these things, this is still pretty novel. Like I would, if you did a survey of investors, like asking how many people on a sales team hit quota, I don't think people would expect it would be 40%. Yeah. Right. Well, it's interesting. Like people, when, when there are, we have conversations all the time with a lot of different people, include we talk to some investors sometimes as well. And and I make comments like, well, 50%, like what's good? Well, you know, if somebody's at 55%, you know, but sales, like, okay, like let's look at that org. That may be somewhere I could, 55, what, what about 75? What about it? It's just not realistic, right? It's just the world that we live in. We can talk about that in a few minutes as to kind of the why behind some of that over the last three to 10 years as to what's caused that. But it's just the world that, that we live in. And, you know, you know, and just quickly touch on, you know, public companies are just always track just a little bit higher, almost fairly consistently than, than private or VC backed over time. And, and I attribute that to a little bit more experienced leadership, you know, a little bit more baked playbook and process. They've all been going down, but the public have just trended just a little bit higher than, you know, and then the VC ones may be chasing the, a little bit more prone to the chase growth at all costs problem of getting to that next fundraiser um, over the last few years as well. Yeah. Which makes sense. It's, you know, easiest to sell a good product. And the times on our research end, we've compared quota attainment to, you know, magic quadrant type ratings in our own system. You know, the best products sell the best, right? And have the highest quota attainment. So it's, it's a great indicator what you have to keep selling it for you. And let's just get into that. I've seen your takes on like, well, why is quota attainment so low? Is it a function of lead flow, total addressable market? Like, how does this situation happen? Yeah, I mean, 
we all kind of know, right? Like money was basically free for a few years, right? Like, I mean, the valuations and the dollars in late stage, in tech, late stage, um, you know, late stage venture capital backed. And then even, you know, in the public markets, you know, the valuations, you know, stock, you know, it was just so high. Basically money was free. And if you break that down, right, like, you know, the metric everybody talked about, we all know it, it's just growth, right? Profitability, we, it's SaaS company. They'll, they'll eventually become profitable, right? Because of the economy, you know, LTV and so you spend your money to acquire customers. All makes perfect sense, just that nobody's doing it. Nobody's managed to, like there's very few companies that have managed to, to you know, extract that economy is going to get profitable. So it's just grow, grow, grow. And so how do you grow? If we add a sales rep, an account executive, that's $342,000. I can look at the spreadsheet. It shows every seat that I add adds $342,000 in ARR, you know, and then if they're there three years, it's $392, $394,000. And so the CFO and the CEO and like, hey, well, what if we added a hundred more reps? Well, then, you know, well, maybe it'll come down to 330 instead of 342, which I'm thinking, no, it'll come down a lot more than that. But that's just what happened, right? Let's just add, you know, and, and by the way, we, we raised, you know, $500 million on a $10 billion valuation at 80 million in ARR growing 100%. So we better grow 100% or more. And the only way we know how to do that is heads. And that's it. I mean, it's it's simple. And the, the other thing, like we, we talked about this before, but like the, the concept of selling the TAM, right? There's big TAM, like, well, what's, what's Salesforce's TAM? Well, anybody that has a customer, right? Well, is, is it really anybody that has a customer, right? Like, you know, the street taco vendor, you know, I bought something, I'm a customer, but you know, so, so that's their TAM, everybody who has a customer, but like what's reachable right now, right? And so, so what ends up happening is you grow, I'm looking at my screen, maybe I should do it this way. You're growing the heads and heads and heads and TAM is, and your addressable market's way up here, but you're growing, growing so fast. And especially some of these, you know, some of these you know, MarTech and, you know, these, these companies, they grow through, they grow through their current serviceable addressable market, right? Their current serviceable addressable market. And then, oh, by the way, oh, there's a giant recession that happens. So that current serviceable address, addressable market drops by 50%. And now you've got this massive gap, less people are hitting quota. What do you do? You, you riff them. And that's, that's where we are. I mean, I, I, I don't know if that's, I think that's a simple way to think about it, but that, that's just the reality, right? There's too many heads, not enough leads, not enough accounts and whoops, you know, nobody wants growth anymore. Hey, how about profitability? We're a venture back company, right? I talk to VCs all the time, right? You know, it's just almost comical how different the conversations are now versus 15 months ago. Yeah, it is pretty radical. Also on Twitter, right? You see just the extreme shift, but getting back to your point there, it really just sounds like so much of this is an overcapacity issue. You can add these heads, but nothing is changing in terms of the actual number of buyers in the market. And so you just have a lot of structural overcapacity in SaaS right now. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, there's two sides to it, right? There's a lot of hiring happened, but then like, you know, the CFOs are cutting their budgets on XYZ, like everything is being scrutinized, right? So it's not only because it was grow, 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 like, and if you just assume that the market is going to stay on fire, the VC money comes in, comes in, comes in, everything's good because, you know, there's more, they just got to spend that money, right? And so you're going to buy more tools, more tools. And then with the spending cut, in addition to the change, now we got to be profitable. It was a, it was just a big wake up call in terms of sales capacity. And if somebody says there wasn't too much sales capacity, well, then well, why, why would you riff X percent of your sales org, right? And you just keep them and keep selling and cut costs somewhere else. 
And I guess when you think about that too, just at the micro level, and we'll transition to another topic is if you're a sales rep, you have a lot to figure out, right? Like how much capacity is on this team? What are leads going to be? You know, what is achievable Mm -hmm. in this industry? And so if you're a rep, right, looking at moving to a new role, like what type of due diligence do you suggest they do? Well, yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to balance. Like it's a really competitive market. It's hard to get a job right now for a lot of people, right? So then you're going to hear me on here saying like, why don't you ask them about their burn rate? You know, why don't you ask them about their cash runway? Why don't you ask them, you know, like, like, so obviously, you know, I'm wearing the t-shirt that says RepView. So I would say go to RepView and look at things like what percent of that team is hitting quota on the mid-market team at tech company X that you're looking at. Okay. Vet that with the hiring manager. Like, Hey, RepView shows this. Is it, you know, is that accurate? Is that right? Is it, you know, and and usually it is reasonably not as occasionally there's Delta here and there, but you know, that's pretty good indicator. Look at the different scores. The first thing I tell people though, too, is like, what's important to you, right? Like, what do you care about? Like, are you okay making 35 cold calls a day, 80 cold calls a day? Are you okay selling a highly technical product? Are you okay in an environment where there's not a lot of sales support or do you need to be structured? So, so the first thing before people get into it is understand what's important to you. And then once you know, like, like, for example, I mentioned the lead flow thing. Like if you're cool making a lot of cold calls, well, don't worry about if their lead flow score is really low, right? Because you, you'll self generate your pipeline. You're good with that. You know, if you, if you can't stand cold calling, like, you know, that, that should be a factor, you know, look at what do top performers earn? Look at the average deal size. Have you closed, like if the average deal size is $95,000 for the mid-market team at tech company X and the biggest deal experience you have is 15,000. Is, is this somewhere you're going to spend your time? You're probably not going to get hired. Like I can just tell you that now, like it's, it's going to be tough, right? If you were 60 and you go to 95, yes, you have a chance. So think about what's important to you. Think about what your experience is and then ask some of the questions related to that. But then, then I think that the next level, which is what I was saying, can be tough is like, you know, getting into the stuff like burn rate, getting into the stuff like run, you know, like your, your runway, getting into stuff like, I always tell people like, is this a new territory? Is this a new set of accounts? Who had this set of accounts last? What happened to them? Where are they? Can I, can I talk to them? Is this a new territory? Is it a territory that's getting split? and this is new who's the person that owns this who had this last what was their performance and then ask for the comp plan ask for the comp plan from last year why did it change why is this different i mean i could go on and on there's there's so much important and valuable stuff but i think first is understand what's important to you line that up with the data you can access about it and then if you can't get something through RepView, which is you know like connect through another user that has worked there just you know back channel linkedin you know ping somebody hey you worked there until six months ago would you be open to you know, 20 minute conversation, have some questions, appreciate, you know, whatever people are more altruistic than you think when it comes to this specific topic. That's why we built it with so many ratings because they're, they're willing to do it and share. Which makes sense. And do enough reps do that? Like basic groundwork kind of just from what you can observe? Probably not. Probably not. I think I, I put a disclaimer on it, right? I, whenever people ask me this all the time, I try to respond when I can with LinkedIn DMs. You know, there's quite a few. I'm sensitive to the fact that people might not have health insurance, right? They might have a, a family to support, right? And yeah, th- this org looks crap, but you know what? It's an $85,000 base. I got two kids and they need health insurance. And when the economy turns around, maybe this will just tide me over, right? Totally get that, right? So you got to do what you got to do. And so I think, so set that aside. And once you do that, I think making a little bit of a difference, more people are doing it, right? You're not sold. You made a good point earlier when it was just like, all these pitches when times were great sounded exactly the same. Equity, rocket ship, growing super fast, 
you know, et cetera, et cetera, join the rocket ship, you know, are found and it's like pitching the funding, right? Well, what is the fun like you're pitching the funding? Everybody can get funding right now. Pitching the, you know, having a party when you become a unicorn, right? Well, can I how much money do I get when you become a unicorn? Well, none, right? Like, <laughs> right. It's just the it's just so I think that in those times nobody's really doing a lot of diligence. But it's changing for sure. It's changing. Interesting. And then should reps do like real product due diligence, like go try and see a demo online, go look at reviews, like because that has to be one of the biggest drivers as to like both the role you're getting into and then really understanding like what you're going to be selling. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so as a, you know, I've interviewed thousands of salespeople over the years and hired, you know, probably close to that hundreds. And I think it's a lot of salespeople don't go deep enough. Yes, read the G, go to G2, read the reviews, right? Learn about it, understand, read the entire website. And you still probably, you know, a lot of the marketing sites, you still don't really know what they're selling or what it is, right? So just ask questions. Yeah. I think I, as a former head of sales, used to appreciate when somebody started their line of questionings at the very basic. So product, help me understand, my, my take is that it does this and this. Am I on base there? And then dig in with questions. Like if you just even have a very cursory understanding of the product all it does is then gives you a platform to ask more questions about it you know because i i think you know it's another part of the the interview process where like many salespeople are not technical right some of them are like not at all right like excel is a problem right like yeah and so but then there's a spectrum where others are reasonably technical and and you know they're not going to be writing code but they kind of can get in there and so that's a big thing like can you grasp that understanding and there's plenty of products even SaaS, that are not that complicated from a technical standpoint that, that you could sell. And so I, th I think that, that that's got to be vetted out there as well. Who are you selling? Are you selling to the CISO, right? But you have zero capability to understand anything that, that what their language is like, that's a problem. So, and we actually track that within RepU, which is, we know the buyer persona that the company sells to, and we know the experience that the user has. So we can kind of match up, you know, like, Hey, you know, Hey, come some of our employer corporate customers who are trying to hire like, you know, HubSpot's an example, right? Like, all right, you guys sell to, you, you all sell to head of marketing, head of revenue. Well, here's thousands and thousands of sales reps with a similar profile of your top performers who have sold to the head of revenue, head of marketing. Like that's a good fit versus the head of, you know, IT or security or legal or other personas. Interesting. And kind of transitioning from a rep doing due diligence on a company, you know, let's imagine you're an investor, a growth equity firm, a private equity firm. Yeah. And, you know, beyond the obvious metrics of growth and new logos and customer acquisition costs, how would you assess like the strength of a sales org? Like, let's just say you had 15 minutes with the chief revenue officer and really couldn't ask quantitative, like how would you attack it? Yeah, 15 minutes is certainly not a lot of time, right? So first of all, if I'm an investor, I would have tried to get any information I could have from RepView to give me a little bit of a head start. Yep. But, you know, I think, like I said, 15 minutes isn't a lot of time. Where I typically start is... I would just have them walk me through the machine, right? I always, I, you know, I posted something on LinkedIn a few weeks ago. It was basically, if you want to be a head of sales, you're getting out of sales. You're getting into analytics, operations, HR, right? Those three things, right? So what I'm looking for is walk me through the machine, right? Like t take me through like how stuff moves all the way through, right? Where do the leads come from? Where, when they come in, where do they go? Why do they go there? Like literally, like wh who gets them and why? Like what's the routing process? Oh, it goes there and there and there. Okay, so then how does it get qualified? Who does it? Why does it get triggered as qualified? And then once it's qualified, where does it go? Was it account executive? How is that? How is it routed? Why is it routed that way? And then the account executives, walk me through the stages. Stage 
X, Y, Z? What does a stage mean? And why does it mean that? And then what happens when it gets to this stage? Why would you close loss? What are the risk factors? Right? And then what percentage of yield? Like what, walk me through some of the metrics in there that go from stage to stage. What's your close rate? And so you're kind of getting a feel for like, yeah, you know, what, what are the typical objections? What are your close loss reasons? So can the head of sales, do they know this? And for me, like if they don't, like they should, right? Like they're the architect of the machine. And when I think about it, you know, my experiences in companies, you know, the sales team of maybe hundreds, not thousands, right? So somebody might argue, well, the CRO of a company with a 5,000 person sales team, you know, may, their lieutenants do all that. And maybe, maybe, but I'd still want to know. And so my take is like, okay, well, and then, and then you can start to dig into examples of like, all right, so your close rate is, you know, 18%. Is that good? Do you think that's good? Like, and I don't know, like in the person I say, yes. All right. Well, okay, cool. Do you have a goal to get an A higher? Maybe it's not good, but what are the three things that you can do to, to move that needle? What about the lead qualification rate? That's 14%. Well, should it be 18%? Well, well, how would you get it there? Well, you know, the lead quality. So this is, we're tweaking this with working with marketing, the conversations that we're having with our SDRs, we're listening to the calls, we're coaching them there. So what I'm looking for diligence wise, if it's like growth equity, private equity is walk me through the entire, and, and these particularly these private equity folks, like they're really good at this, right? They have their playbook, it's on lockdown. It's like a former CRO and I did it for a few years. They have six, eight, 10 people that have done that and they all you know, have their thing, right? So, but that's what I'm looking for is like, what is this playbook? How strong is it? I, I'm not, I don't know everything, but like, can I get a sense that you know most of it and what you need to know and you're, you're, you're pulling the levers and turning the dials to improve the sales org, right? And and, and then all, yeah, like what's your sales attrition? What's your, what, what you know? And, and I would ask the question from the candidate side or the investor side, well, if your sales percent of team hitting quotas at 40, yeah. what do you want it to be? And then if you want it to be 50, like what are the three things you're gonna do to get it there? What are those initiatives? So, so that's kind of the approach I take is like, let's talk through the machine, right? And then let's talk through the, what are the friction points or the, the leverage points that you have? And then, I don't know, can we do that in 15 minutes? We do some of it, not much. That's a great answer. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense. You need a well-oiled machine and you need people who have like a granular understanding mm -hmm. like when you really get into all of this. It's how your tech stack is configured, how your processes flow, mm -hmm. right? Like this stuff doesn't happen by accident, mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. And then we'll transition to something actionable and tactical. Like you've obviously hired a lot of people in your career, your growing rep view. Like what are some signs you look for in let's say an SDR? that they're going to turn into a good account executive. Like what are some patterns? Yeah, I mean I think SDR is a, is an interesting one, right? Because you're not looking for you know, so there's certain things like if it's an SDR and it's fairly entry, like, did they show up on the, at the interview on time? Were they professional? Did they ask some questions? You know, did they send a follow up email? Right. Like, because it, it just tells me, like, I don't, I don't care. Like, don't I don't need to know, like, oh, I hit quota for three years as a junior SDR somewhere. Like, I'm just like, are you professional? Did you show up on time? Did you send a follow up email? Did you do this? And then you might dig into some certain areas like sales is tough, right? You're going to get punched in the gut a bunch of times and then you get pat on the back every once in a while. So like, what, what is something you've overcome? Like we, we always look like the concept of, so two things that are big for me, number one is, is intellectual curiosity. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that's just comes down to like the questions that you're going to ask in the interview process. And it doesn't even have to be like, as long as you're, I look at it, like, are you building on questions, right? Like to, to learn and learn and learn and dig deeper. Are you intellectually curious? Like what are some things you do outside of work that tells me kind of what you're into and like, are you learning about things? It just, because if you're curious, you're going to ask questions about your, from your, 
you know, your buyer, right? You got to learn about their business. As, as an early career seller, I thought I was like interested in learning about people that I was selling to. Oh, I get to go sell to Toshiba and I meet with people from there. Or I got to go sell to people from, you know, Ritz camera. I'm like, okay. Cause I was, you know, it's like, okay, well learn about those businesses. So intellectual curiosity is one. And again, don't need experience mm -hmm. for that. Grit is number two. So it's like, all right, well, did you wait tables to put yourself through college? Did you, people are like, oh, you play a sport because athletes are good at sales. No, no, no. You play a sport because you manage a bunch of shit that you had to do. Like, you know what I mean? Like you had a tough schedule and I don't care if it's a sport yeah. or a band or this, or it's like you had to do a lot and you successfully did that grit to overcome it. You know, so, so those are like two things that I would look for in an SDR more so than like, you know, some sort of performance or like skills from your last job. Like I'll, you want to coach your SDR. So that's bringing them in. And then the proof's in the pudding. Like, you know, the, the SDRs moving to AEs is going to be hitting numbers, right? Like it's, it's the quadrant, like following the process and hitting numbers, right? You've seen that probably. Mm -hmm. It's like, are you, you're, you're following the process? Yes. You're hitting numbers. Yes. That's like the good quadrant following the process. No hitting numbers. Yes. That's kind of like the question mark. Like, all right, well, imagine what you could be doing and then not following yeah. the process, not hitting your number. is kind of like the no-go zone. Like, you know, keep yep. the resume, you know, handy and then following the process, not hitting numbers. That's the coaching zone, right? Let's, let's see where we can help you. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so many people who listen to a podcast, right. Are are looking for that type of guidance. So that's great. Yeah. And then, you know, where can people find you and how can they work with RepView? I know you guys have kind of multiple constituencies given the nature of your platform. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so we're easy to find. I'm easy to find Ryan at RepView.com. Anybody can email me anytime they want. You know, I'm on Twitter. DM me there if you want. Probably open. I'm on LinkedIn, although be careful DMing me there because it's pretty busy and I, I don't get a chance to look at all of them every day or week. Unfortunately, I wish I could. Just send me an email. Yeah. And yeah, like I said, if, if RepView is interesting to people, if the potential data related to the organization, uh, the sales organization's performance or health you know, is interesting, not just trend data, but performance of individual company data is interesting. If you're, you know, reach out to us. If you're looking to hire salespeople too, there may be a fit as well. You know, reach out to us. We, we, we help companies hire salespeople too. And just like in terms of job posts yep. and the like on your site. Yep. So when sales reps are there, they can see so-and-so HubSpot is hiring, yep. for example, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Our, our offerings are really, there's really three core offerings. Offering number one is, is B2B salespeople. This is the free offering. You're a salesperson. You go to the website, you submit a rating, and then you can access information about companies. Offering number two is corporates or employers who are looking to hire and looking to learn about their own sales or health. And then offering number three is those who are interested in researching and getting information around performance of, of companies through data, you know, crowdsourced data that we capture. So yeah, and we, if any of those are interesting to anybody, just shoot me an email and we'll have a chat. Perfect. Well, look, this has been great. I think we covered a lot of good ground. I really appreciate you being on and we'll be in touch. Thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it, Matt.